Welcome to Unlocking the Fitness Industry. I am your host, Jake Abel. I'm a two-time natural pro, a cellular athlete, and we're going to find the best way to get fit, to enter your competitions, and to look your best. So, here we go. Let's get into the episode. I've managed to get on Donna Atkins from she's a posing coach i've known her for probably six years now and so she's a posing coach based out of where are you you're in essendon aren't you uh yeah at the moment in nidri yep in nidri in essendon and yeah yeah, yeah. she's been around this competitive thing for many many years um not taking that away from her i've seen her compete and Mm -hmm. she gets into amazing conditions so i thought what we'll do is we'll talk a little bit about because she's definitely a posing coach and sees a lot of first-time competitors so we're going to swing this podcast it's going to be very very valuable for if you're looking at getting on stage or if you've got on stage a few times um and something we're going to dive into quite a lot is like sometimes a lot of people get pretty confident that they did well um but you can always work on posing and things like that and this is something that like I see all the time, you'll never ever, like I've done 17 shows and I still haven't mastered my posing yet. It's something you can always work on. So we're going to dive into a little bit of that. But what we'll do first, Donna, is give a little background for people that don't know you, kind of where you started in this fitness industry. If like, yeah, give us an overrun of what kind of got you to where you are now. Yeah, well, I just want to say thank you, um, first of all, Jake, for uh, having me on. I know we've been talking about this for a while. So um, perfect time in ISO to do it while we've both got yeah. a little bit more time, perhaps. Um, so, yeah, look, I'm not sure um, if I've ever really kind of publicly told people how I started, but um, I'm going to sound like a real dinosaur now. But um, I have been quite active um, kind of for a long time and I um, was an aerobics instructor um, for many, many years. So I've uh, kind of been... Um, in the gym scene, but not actually in the weights room, just simply doing kind of group fitness. And I was kind of like a sometime gym goer. So I'd go into the gym sometimes and do a little bit of weights, but I was never really serious about it. Um, and then I uh, I spoke to a trainer at that gym where I was doing uh, teaching aerobics. And um, he had said to me, um, or actually I'll backtrack a little bit. Um, I saw... Uh, Linda Hamilton in Terminator 2. Okay, yeah. I'm not sure. You've obviously seen that movie. Yeah. And yeah, and I looked at her physique and I went, wow, um, she looks amazing. She looks strong. She's badass. Um, you know, she beautiful muscles. And I went, wow, oh my goodness, like I want to look like that. That's how I kind of just that kind of piqued my interest, that physique. And yeah, so anyway, I was at the gym that I was um, working at as an aerobics instructor and uh, the trainer there had said, we had a casual conversation and he had said, "Um, have you thought about competing? And I was, I had no idea. Um, You know, you're talking back in 2001, 2002. So this is why I say I'm a dinosaur. So we're going back, what's that, 18 years ago, (laughs) 18 years ago. And when he said, yeah, what were you? You were still a toddler then, weren't you? Or? Yeah, it would have been 2001. <laughs> yeah. So, to, but yeah, I think it was about 2001, 2002. And um, when he said to me, have you thought about competing? I absolutely had no 
um, word, no idea what he was talking about. I was thinking, you mean chess? You mean basketball? Do you, yeah. what are you talking about? Yeah, I had no idea. And so um, he said, no, um, he was entering a bodybuilding competition, which at the time I believe was um, a NABBA competition, would you believe? And um, uh, I was intrigued. And so he said to come and watch. And uh, so I did. I went and watched a show and they also had females um, competing there. And at the time, uh, Jake, there was no such thing as a um, fitness or a bikini competitor. It was solely bodybuilding and figure competitors only. Um, so um, obviously the, the sport has changed, you know, vastly in, in the last 10 years. But um, when I was doing it, it was just purely bodybuilding and, and figure. And so I went and it was something that I'd never seen before. And I was totally intrigued and I loved it because all of these competitors were doing these individual routines and, and then they were all coming out in, in their respective division as a group and, and were, you know, asked to do certain, you know, quarter turns as we now know it. Um, yeah. And then I think what happened was it was uh, early 2003. Um, I actually changed to a gym called Bell Street Fitness. Um, hmm. Now, uh, funnily familiar. enough, what, what were you going to hmm. say? That sounds familiar, Bell Street. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Bell Street no Fitness is, <laughs> what was that? I know where this is going, who works at Bell yeah. Street. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, as uh, some people would probably know, um, Tony Lanciano um, used to own that gym and um, there are a lot of um, people who uh, were, you know, the, the walls were adorned with um, pictures and photos of lots of bodybuilders, some from overseas as well as local and Australian bodybuilders who had visited that gym. So I was training there and um, I had spoken to a coach and um, who was there and a girlfriend of mine who was also thinking of competing as well said, hey, I've, I've met this coach at the gym and um, he's he's um, training me for a comp that's going to be coming up later in the year. And I thought, um, okay, so I had a chat to him. Incidentally, he still competes um, um, to this day. So um, I had a chat to him and that was my first experience of a personal trainer. And uh I, I remember after the first um, training session that I had with him, um, I actually went into the ladies and actually vomited in the bin because it was <laughs> never, I never trained so hard in my life. So we started on this journey of, of training for a comp um, and we aimed for, at the time, this was my first comp, which would have been um, the INBA. Um, as we now, now know, it's um, reformed as, as to ICN. Back then it was the state championships. That so was about September, October of that year in 2003 um, that I was aiming for. Um, and uh, my girlfriend who was training with me pulled out at the time. She she um, couldn't go through with it, but I kept going with the comp. And so I um, entered that show and it was uh, the figure novice division um, that I entered. There wasn't a first timer uh, as such. It was a figure novice and a figure open division. So I entered the figure novice division and uh and it was at the Camberwell Civic Centre. So um, I'm not sure if that's still around, but uh, it was a quite a different type of um, kind of theatre or auditorium as to what we're used to, um, what you and I have seen um, in recent years. And, uh, yeah, I had a lot of my, my friends and family were there uh, coming to watch me and um, I was fortunate enough to win my division. Wow. Um, yeah. yeah. And... Um, 
I was up against maybe six or seven other girls and um, yeah, actually won my division. And then uh, maybe about a month later, there was a, a national show which they held in Canberra and um, I flew up there uh, to, to the show in Canberra and <laughs> because it was such a lot, like this is going to sound so strange and I know that you said you haven't had any sort of female guests before, but for the females that are listening, um, I back then um, I had no idea who was going to do my hair and makeup. Um, so <laughs> this is going to sound really strange saying now when I think about it, but um, say the show was on a Sunday and um, I was, you know, flying up maybe the, the day before I actually went to Maya and there's a Mac counter. I'm not sure if you're familiar with what make, Mac makeup is. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I went to the counter and had a makeup artist do my makeup the day before okay, in Melbourne at Maya Melbourne, Mac counter, and he did my makeup, explained to him that I was competing the next day. So, yes, I actually slept in this makeup because I had no right. idea. I, I'm, I can't do makeup at the best of times. So I actually um, had this, yeah, makeup artist do my makeup the day before. I think he gave me some sort of touch-up makeup to take with me. And, yeah, then we flew to Canberra and um, I slept in bed and I had said to my partner who was with me at the time, um, if you wake up, make sure my head is you know, straight that I haven't fallen to the side because I can't afford my makeup to run. So I slept with my makeup. And um, anyway, I competed the next day um, in the nationals and there were probably about 18 of us on stage, you know, all from various states. And um, I just thought I was – there was no chance that I was going to place because there were so many amazing and incredible athletes and um, the way that they announced it was they announced a top three um, out of those 18 and said, you need to go backstage and um, get ready to do your um, routine. Back then, um, you know, the, the format was you did a, a posing routine in addition to doing your, your quarter turns with the group. So I was announced one of the top three and um, myself and the two other ladies. And I was almost hyperventilating backstage because I was not prepared to to be yeah, mastered in the top three. What was that? To do, were you prepared for your full routine? Yeah, yeah, because I did the, the same routine that I did in Melbourne. Oh, no. Yeah, so I had brought my stuff, but I was just, you know, so happy to be there that, oh, my, here I am in my day before makeup. I'm loving it. Um, and then they announced my number in the top three, and I just went backstage, and I thought, okay, you've got to get ready to do my routine. So, yeah, I was um, – extremely fortunate to um, place third in, in that national show as well. So, yeah, that's kind of how it started, I guess, a brief version of how it started. Yeah, that's crazy. So with um, breaking down that, we went on to competing, getting in. What's the yeah. difference kind of that you found back then? Just for context, how old are you currently? Oh, do you want to never <laughs> ask a lady their age? I am... 45. 45. So in 2001, you've, you, how many shows have you done? I haven't actually done that many. Um, yeah. I will say I've done 10 in my entire um, career. Yeah, so it's not that many. You know, I hear girls that have done 20, 25. Um, but you, what did you just say? Um, you said you've done 17. Is that right? Yeah, 17 yeah. over six, yeah, six years. Yeah, six. So I started my comp. My first competition was in 2003. 
So um, that was 17 years ago. So yeah, I actually haven't done that many um, overall, but um, yeah, it's just one of those things where it's, I I feel like it's a slow burn. I haven't really been, except for my last competition um, season, which was in 2017, um, I did three in a row. So I did three weekends of comps one after the other. So and and I can't say that I I'll, I'll do that again because that was quite yeah. exhausting. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. I don't With know how the- you all do it. I don't know how you all um can do back to back. I really admire those ones that can go from okay it's Sunday and then Monday you've got to start stripping that tan off from the weekend and then you go to the next one or two weeks later or whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I don't I can't say I'll do that again. Yeah, that's where in 2016 I did 10 shows in 12 months. Oh. <laughs> wow a year's worth of peak week oh wow that's amazing oh my goodness I had no idea yet you did that 10 shows back to back and that's where I finished it in Sydney yeah um I was there too I was there yeah you turned me for that one I did oh wow yeah won the overall yeah so with um so compared to 2001, 2003, like IMBA, ICN was uh, kind of only just kind of kicking off. What's the difference between now um, and the shows they run now versus then other than, say, like there, there was only figure and bodybuilding back then. Now we've yeah. got sports model, bikini, um, all of the uh, bikini. What else we got? We got uh, the uh, Miss Fitness model. Fitness yeah. model. So there's a lot, lot of more different categories. Um, how did the physiques change? How did the shows kind of change with the venues? Did they still have that kind of fun atmosphere that we do have today? Um, yeah, look, I'll, I'll just say that um, it has changed quite a bit. And um, I think in terms of interest, um, in terms of divisions, absolutely. Um, and the number one thing I think that's probably helped it is probably social media, um, yeah. you know, to be honest, back then, um, you know, Facebook and YouTube have only been around for about 15 or 16 years and they haven't really started kind of getting traction until maybe in the last 10 years they've started to get a lot more popular. So, um, you know, back then there wasn't sort of what influence did you have? You kind of just knew what you did, you know, uh, state-wise and, and nationally. You did, kind of didn't have a lot of influence of what was happening overseas because we, we kind of didn't know that unless you bought magazines. You know, back then mm-hmm. there was a lot of um, uh, bodybuilding, bodybuilding magazines that were really popular. Um, so that was our kind of form of what was the trend and what's new and what are um, other countries doing and what sort of divisions are they introducing, that sort of thing. So, um, you know, I'm sure Tony and, and the rest of the ICN team can tell you for sure, but I think it was probably around maybe around um, a few years later after I competed, maybe about two or three years later, they started to introduce a more I don't know if you'd call it an attainable um, sort of division where girls who maybe didn't want to diet or have that completely shredded look of a figure competitor or a a bodybuilding competitor, that maybe they had um, the opportunity to kind of, um, you know, get a a leaner and a sort of a nice conditioned and toned look by introducing these types of categories. So I think that's what maybe had started it for them. Um, so, yeah, they started to introduce, um, you know, the sports model and then it, you know, um, changed into fitness model and then they ended up having both and then they obviously had a bikini um, category as well. So it's kind of, I would say, yeah, probably in the last 
after I competed, maybe about three, two or three years after, I know INBA anyway decided to bring in those kind of like more attainable sort of um, physiques. I mean, I kind of feel like there's a little bit of a, I don't know if you would agree, but there's almost like a, a hierarchy. You know, people would say that there's, um, that you go from kind of your model divisions right up to your muscle divisions and, and people kind of work towards, if you really want to go, you know, up to a bodybuilder, they kind of feel like that's the, the extreme or the, the height, you know, the, the one that takes, you know, you need to be big and you need to have bit of condition and you need to be shredded. And then there's a lot more to the posing and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, with like starting back then as well, like as you mentioned, social media and all that's kind of like competing something normal. Like it's almost in front of the public faces now. Everyone knows someone that's oh. been on stage or they've been to yeah. something. What was it like in 2001 though? Yeah. So, um, well, you know, what's really strange is that um, there was not really anything. There, there weren't really any posing coaches um, the only mm-hmm. posing coaches, honestly, that I can think of, there's probably two in Australia that I could think of. And with no social media, there's no sort of instant communication with someone or the, the opportunity to do online posing. So my coach um, taught me, my male coach was the person that taught me posing. Um, there was maybe, you know, someone in the gym who had competed a year before, um, they would help you pose. But there was no immediate, um, there was nothing, you know, not like it is now, how we know there was there's so many posing coaches now across many divisions and, and posing coaches are have official titles. But back then I could probably tell you maybe only two people um, in all of Australia, and I'm sure there's obviously in other states, but um, that, that I knew of who were reputable posing coaches, but more than likely it would have been your um, your prep coach who would have taught you posing. Um and, um, you know, like I was saying, it had not, uh, there was no such thing as social media. So I can tell you the other, other sort of um, source of information I had other than my, my prep coach who taught me how to do posing was um, there was a show that happened, um, I think, a few months before my show, the one that I competed in. And um, I happened to get, it was recorded on, on video. So I don't even think it was on DVD. It was on video. Oh. And I got a, a a copy of this video. And at the time I had a VCR. Um, and I played this video, rewind, 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 watch, 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 because that was my only source of how do these girls present themselves on stage? How do they turn into these quarter turns? Um, you know, what are they doing for a routine? So they were my only two sources of how to pose. There was nothing else. There was just that video and just my prep coach. Um, and funnily enough, um, the gym at Bell Street, um, I also had help with um, a, a like a person that also came to the gym who also now is a judge for IFBB. So it was just people you knew. There was not an official um, posing coach who taught you that, you know, unlike now where it is just instant information. You know, you can contact a opposing coach within seconds via an app and then set up a, you know, a Skype or a Zoom session and do an online posing session with them or you meet them at a gym or their studio, that sort of thing. So um, everyone is quite, um, you know, fortunate and, and you know, lucky about the, um, the, the kind of uh, information and the um, access of information that they have now. But back then... 
it was either look in a magazine or, or hope your prep coach teaches you. Yeah, so different. I sound like a dinosaur, I know. <laughs> yeah, and it's you would have got like a big mix, I guess, of uh, good posing and bad posing. Oh, as well. uh, you know what's funny? There's actually a um, a poster of me. I was put on a poster um, for a future show that um, at the time INBA were promoting. So there's a picture of me in my first show and. If you look at the way that I was standing, I just I look at it now and I cringe. And uh, um, some, it's oh, I sh- I've got it. I've I've got it somewhere. I should post it if if someone really wants to see it, I'll, I'll post it. Sure. And my fingers, the way that I had my hands, um, it, you know, and some of my competitors will know when I say this, but my hands, I had them. They look like finger puppets. You know, when you do the thing, the shadow puppets. My hands were just. You know, my my fingers look hyperextended. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, I'll say as well the other thing um, in terms of just, I don't know if you want to know about tanning and and, um, and uh, bikinis and that sort of thing because it obviously has to do with presentation. But back then um, there was only one bikini maker in Melbourne, one. Um, and to this day um, she still does uh still does make comp bikinis um and she was the only person and you could tell that she was that only person because literally almost um all the people uh who went to her kind of had similar design bikinis so you could automatically see on stage that okay she made that bikini and she made her bikini because they kind of look similar they had that same style um yeah but she was the only person um that, that made it and we had to, you know, I had to go to her place. I think she was based in Elwood at the time, um, get measured up and then, you know, go home and then come back a, a few, you know, weeks later or months later or whatever it was and um, and uh, pick up my bikini. So now you can get them online obviously and then just send your measurements yeah. through and, and, you know, order order bikinis that way. So, so crazy difference. Yeah. So after, after these comps, what kind of – got you going down the kind of wanting to teach posing and wanting to help people out with posing? Um, it's funny because um, some people know me as a tanner as well, and obviously I've got girls that, that, that uh, manage that side of it, but um, not many people know that I actually probably in an unofficial capacity started teaching posing before any of that. And um, I guess look when I was younger I did um, a lot of dancing I went to a dancing school and then uh, as I said earlier I progressed into becoming an aerobics instructor and I was an aerobics instructor for um, uh, maybe about eight or nine years so I started off being a freestyle aerobics instructor and then I um, moved on to being a Les Mills body step instructor and I absolutely loved it I loved performing I loved um, motivating people and I loved meeting people I loved being in a um, in a, a classroom where there are lots of people like-minded people that we're working out and we're, we're feeling great and and we're having fun by kind of you know working out routines and um, I guess uh, after that, after I competed, I kind of felt like it worked in hand in hand, you know, like the, the, the aerobic side of it. I, I liked teaching. I absolutely love it. Um, and then I guess it started with um, a couple of competitors at my gym who had said, can you help me with posing? 
So that's how it started. It was just, okay, I'm helping a friend. I never saw it as an official title. It was, okay, my, my mate's competing. I'll, I'll help them um, pose. And that's how it started. So in an unofficial capacity, it probably started maybe a year or two after I, I did my first show. Um, and then from there, um, I had a bit of a, a break um, from competing. So I didn't compete for maybe about six years, but I was involved in the industry. Um, I actually... Uh, was the MC at a few shows. So I actually hosted a few INBA shows at the time as well. Um, so in my kind of, you know, downtime or off season, um, I hosted bodybuilding shows or I also worked as backstage staff. So, or I worked as a trophy presenter. So I did all of those things as well. So I kind of like, have, you know, um, run the whole gamut of a, of a, um, a comp, I guess. So I've, I've, um, like to say that I've kind of had my, you know, hands in, in every pie, so to speak, you know. So um, and then I guess um, from there it would just I kept going to shows and then, you know, people would ask for my help. And um, and then I thought, you know, maybe I can make something of this. Maybe I can actually, um, you know, actually do this as, as something where I can officially help people and um, not only do the kind of helping with the tanning, maybe I can actually help them with the posing because I absolutely love it. So it was kind of started from there. I think um, the, the fire, the, the spark happened back then. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something I think that um, I don't know if you can teach or that you've got in you. And that's what I find interesting about a lot of pose instructors and some things I see mm. that some people just have it and don't. And it's like the art of posing where, like, you look at some people on stage and you're just like, ill. why doesn't it? Like, they're not doing yeah. anything wrong, but it just doesn't look right. Or their transitions yeah. don't flow or something like that. And you're just like, something isn't right. And I think that's something that you can't really, like, teach either. Like, you, you either have it or you don't. Like, you know enough about the sport that you, how to get from this pose to this pose gracefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. Without like overcomplicating it and throwing like weird, like I've got little pet hates on like, yeah. like turning against the grain, like any type of left turn or any kind of dip left, um, like, in, or like, like men's physique or men's fitness is like putting your hands in like a uh, counterclockwise motion, like it, it disengages your lats straight away. And for me, that's yeah. something like I pick up straight away. I was like, oh, it's just straight against, against the grain and it's showing those weaknesses. So in knowing that, how for a newbie or someone that's looking at competing, how important is posing? Oh, it is imperative. It is absolutely essential that you know how to present your physique. Um, you know, there's a difference between um, knowing your poses and owning your poses. Um, you know, you can be you know, there's conditioning is one thing. You can be the most shredded and in-conditioned person, but um, if you don't know how to present that and you don't know how to draw in an audience and you don't know how to command attention, then you're doing yourself an absolute injustice. Um, you know, someone that's new that's competing, it, the minute that you decide I want to compete um, is the pretty much the time that you should employ a posing coach. Um, you know, it's it is really unfortunate, like you're saying, where, and I'll, I'll even just thinking about it now, um, when the last show, the last ICN show here in Victoria before lockdown was the uh, Rookie and Rising Star, and um, there was, and that's obviously a newbie show, relatively newbie show, you know, it's for those that are first time competing and those who have competed, is it less than four comps, is that correct? Yeah, four. Yeah, 
So I'm not sure. I'm going to say that I'm, I don't know if you were there, if you were side stage, but there was actually a, um, a physique division that was on stage and they were actually there for quite a while. And I remember this quite um, vividly because I had never, I haven't heard this being said um, in a long time. But um, one of the judges, head judge, actually got on the microphone and said out loud, um, the, this was a, a hard division to choose. He said, but we have based our decision based on posing. He actually said this. I'm not sure if you were there, but I, I heard him explicitly say this and I was quite shocked. And it just said to me um, that, you know, how would you be if you were being considered for top spot but you lost out because of your presentation and you then ended up getting second or third. So it just goes to show that um, posing is just as important as, um, you know, your diet and your training. So, yeah, um, yeah um, it's, it's unfortunate sometimes, and you, you're sitting there right with me when we're watching shows, um, it, it can kind of, and with, with all due, due respect, you know, because we're both posing coaches, it's almost cringeworthy, like you're saying, when someone can't uh, execute a lat spread or when someone is completely hunched over and their shoulders have dropped or, or come forward. Like it's, it, it just makes me feel that, you know, wow, you look, your tan looks amazing. You're in a beautiful bikini, but you're not executing these poses really well. Um, and it shows when someone um, poses poorly. Yeah, and that's something I always, like, try and drill into a lot of my guys is, like, you can have the best physique on the day, but you have to show the best physique on the stage. So just because you've got the best yeah. physique doesn't mean you're going to win. You actually have to show it in the bodybuilding show. In the end, it's a show. Like, you're not going to come out ill-prepared. Yeah, look, you know, there's there's more to it than just performing your quarter turns or performing mm. your mandatory poses. A lot of people don't realise that it's not just posing, it is presence. You have to have a presence on stage. You know, the, the minute that you walk on stage, you're posing. The minute you're on stage and you stop, you're posing. You, when you're doing a transition, you're posing. So uh, people just think you don't want to just tick the box and say, well, yep, I can do a quarter turn. No, you want to... <laughs> you know bodybuilding is not just a sport it's it's a performance it's theater yeah. you're entertaining people mm. at the end of the day you people want to watch a show and if you're in a lineup of 12 people and it's a strong lineup for your division how are you going to rise above um your the, the people that you're standing with on stage why is a judge going to single you out and look at you and think, you know what, we're going to award you first place. You need to think, you need to show that that presence. It's it's hard to describe. Stage presence is hard to describe, but it's easy to spot, you know. So you can tell when you're looking at someone, We will, you and I, we, we will navigate our eyes to that one person going, wow, she really executes her pose as well. She's confident. Um, she's she's genuinely happy to be there and then as opposed to someone else that's like yeah okay they know how to do their poses they know what they're doing but there's not that wow wow factor yeah so and in there is a that, difference there's yeah. that small line of like you have to walk the line of cockiness and confidence where like you overdo it and it becomes too cocky and then it's like oh yeah. it grinds against you and then uh yeah like especially the good 
girls that overdo it it's like whoa like too much sass or too much this and then it's like you have to really know where that line is yeah look and I agree and that goes across for both males and females like um Mm. you want to be confident and not cocky at the same time though you want to um you want each person is different and will want to show their personality in different ways. So, you know, if, if someone wants to be a little bit more sassier, that's totally fine. But I guess this is where you and I will come in and we'll say, hey, um, that looks great, but you may want to tone down this part of it because then it starts to look, you don't want it to be so overpowering. You want you want everything to look like you're confident sassy and not just, okay, my smile looks like, you don't want your smile to look fake either. You want it to be a really genuine, nice smile. And, um, you know, some poses, I, I see guys especially, and this is something that just has to come with practice, they really grimace their face. They, their face looks so harsh like, when they... I'm going to kill you smile with that grin. yeah. Or like I'm constipated. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just yeah. it's this look that it's like, no, you you know, you're struggling. And, you know, some people don't even realise that there's posing endurance. So there's one thing to just practice the poses that that you need to do for your division, but then there's actually holding them. You know, posing mm-hmm. is hard and you have to make it look effortless. It cannot look stiff. It has to look graceful. Even the guys have to look graceful as well. Um, and um, it has to look effortless. You can't look like you're straining, um, you know, through your poses, especially if you're in a in a division where you're performing muscularity poses. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. While on that, like for a new person coming in, what are some common mistakes that you often see um, the most of the time? Let's spitball a few, a few little mistakes that we often see while like it, not only newbies, like all the way onto the national level. What are the big newbies? things that kind of top? Top three things that Mis- pick out. Oh God, I don't know if there's. I, I don't know if I could give you a top three. <laughs> there's so many. Um, but a massive mistake I can tell you straight off the bat is um starting too late. Um, it's really unfortunate when yeah. you know um a show is say it's four to six weeks away, and someone comes to me four to six weeks out from from their show and they're a brand new competitor. And I'll break it down like this for you. Let's let's just say it's six weeks out from a show, okay? And, you know, for you, Jake and me, we're only one person and there's all these competitors out there that want to see a posing coach. If you come four or six weeks or six weeks out from a show, guaranteed there are other people that have already been, um, you know, they're prepared and they're starting to see me. And it gets to a point that um, my time slots have booked out and I and I find that I can't fit as many people in because there's only one of me, but there's so many other people. So people are kind of, you know, they're, they're coming to that pointy end of prep and now they want to, to book in with me. And sometimes they, they can't because we're just, you know, lots of posing coaches are now booked out. Um, so if you were to break it down like this, that it's six weeks to a show, and based on, say, a competitor having fortnightly posing sessions, how many sessions would that be? That leaves three sessions. Does that make sense? That's yeah. that's three sessions in six weeks and then your show is on. So even if you were to say it's eight weeks out and based on fortnightly sessions, that's four sessions. Now, I'm not going to say for sure that you as a brand new competitor will be able to learn your entire presence in four sessions. Some people may, some people may not. It depends how quickly someone can pick up 
um, you know, the skills and, and how competent they can, they can be in four sessions. But I don't want to be teaching people right up until comp day either. Like I like to try and get people posing ready four weeks out. So really the only thing that they need to concentrate on is rinse and repeat. They don't have to worry about their brain trying to cope with new information. I mean, can you imagine, you know, as it gets closer to comp, a month out from comp, um, you're, most of the time people are starting to reduce their calories or they're increasing their steps or they're doing more cardio um, and they're starting to organize things like their tan and what am I going to pack on the day and I've got to organize my makeup and all this sort of stuff that they've got to kind of make sure they're managing you know towards the end of prep and then let's just start posing less lessons now while your brain is not playing with four yeah. cylinders it is now at reduced capacity and now I'm going to um, be a bitch to my brain and and give it something brand new to learn. And a lot of people are quite overwhelmed with posing. Not everyone, um, you know, not not everyone finds posing. I don't know if you agree, but some people, newbies, will find it the most daunting. I get people messaging me before they meet me saying, I'm actually really scared or I'm really nervous about posing and um, because it's something that's so foreign to them, they've never done it, you know. Yeah, and it's a different type of training. Like even the fitness-wise, like I get people that are like sweating buckets after they're posing, and I'm like, I always tell them, I'm like, oh, you thought training was the hard bit? Of yeah. This like you've got to hold the pose and keep it strong and um, yeah. hold it throughout the whole whole time. So yeah, that, that that's definitely something that you definitely see. Like I've had people come to me the day before a show thinking that they're going to learn full physique poses, and I was like. <sighs> Well, good luck <laughs> tomorrow. Yeah. yeah, has that um, happened to you? They've come to you a day before saying, hey, um, can you help me out with some posing? I've had a dude on the day. <laughs> he showed oh, up on the oh, day and asked me. Really? I, I could show him <laughs> all, all, all like seven or eight physique poses, including quarter turns. I was like, what have you done? He's like, nothing. And that's where I think oh. um, guys are the worst for it. And like yeah. calling guys. Girls will have it yeah. organized 20 weeks out. Guys will be like, oh, yep. we've got two weeks left, so I better learn how to pose. And that's something, like, again, I'm drilling into a lot of, like, especially my guys is, like, you need to be posing as you start prep just to make sure, Absolutely. like, no excuse any of my clients are going to get on stage and have shit posing. Yeah. Look, and, you know, the thing is, um, Jake, I 1,000% agree with you, and I'm glad you said it, not me, but it is definitely the males, if I were to compare the genders, Um definitely the males and I've actually said this in a few of my past posts you know like guys just think I'm right I don't I'm not wearing heels I'm okay yeah and they treat it like they're very blase and they're very like they, they treat it as an afterthought and they think I'll be right I'm, I'm fine you know and mm. oh my mate who competed last year he knows what to do I'll, I'll just um ask him and I've been watching YouTube and there's nothing wrong with practicing with a friend and there's nothing wrong with getting inspiration from, um, you know, looking at YouTube videos. There's nothing wrong with that. But you cannot emulate what your friend has done and what you've seen on YouTube. You absolutely need an independent third eye to have a look at you and, and put you in positions and, you know, kind of put you into place with what they think because they know because posing coaches know what is required for each division. You can't rely on your friend that competed in, the division last year um you know it's almost like you know with all due respect it's like the blind leading the blind if they're not a posing coach they can't just say hey just do what I do you know you need someone 
that is well-versed, that has the knowledge, that has the experience um, on how to present people and how to position them um, for the stage. So, yes, I will say males are um, the worst when it comes to that. So any males listening, you know, make sure you start your posing early because it will show, um, you know, and like I was saying that that um, that example earlier at the rookie show, that physique um, division, where for a, for a head judge to get onto the microphone and actually say in front of the audience, we based this decision um, on posing today. I was just, I would not like to be in that physique division knowing that, knowing that 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 was all it was. You know, that was what what was the difference between my placing um, to first place. You know. Yeah, and that's where like that you we mentioned like a lot of people will learn on YouTube and things like that, and then um, so, so something that I definitely come across is like I'll start posing with someone, and I was like, "Have you done any? Like, where have you got all these poses?" They're like, "Oh, mm. I watched your YouTube," and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, okay, you, you can't do my pose poses because they're yeah. like dead little quirks and stuff." And straight yeah. away, like I, I notice, like see guys I've never seen on stage, and they're like I'm sitting in the crowd watching. And they're doing yeah. my dead like men's fitness routine, and I'm watching it like yeah. they they don't have the serratus I've got, they don't have th- this built like yeah. they're showing weaknesses the whole time. Um, yeah. But it, it's quite quite funny how like people will try and copy it and thinking that it's going to look this way, and yeah, it, it do- doesn't at all. It um, doesn't look. That, that's a compliment to you that they've actually you know had a look at your stuff and went, this guy knows his stuff. Um, but like you say, you can't just it's not um a copy and paste sort of thing it's not a transactional um type um you know situation you actually do you know this is a very gray area and um everyone has different learning curves so it's not just about okay looking at yourself as a whole and saying well that looks like the position I need to be in for a front pose or this is what I need to do for a front double bicep no um but by the same token I have had competitors who have come to me and have said I want to do this pose so I'll give an example someone might say hey um, I'd like to do this for a back pose instead of the one that I was doing you know if I've had a competitor that's maybe competed a couple of times and they want to change it and absolutely like I won't say I'm not the posing coach that says this is your pose and that's it you have to stick to it we're not changing Um, You know, there's more than one way to skin a cat and posing um, changes, your body changes. So if someone says to me, um, look, I really would like to look at the, you know, explore changing a a pose or a transition or whatever it is, absolutely. I never want this um, posing experience to be about, yes, they've come to me and you for guidance and they've come to you and I for for coaching um, and our knowledge, but I want it to be more of a collaborative experience. And even though they're a newbie, um, they absolutely have an opinion and they absolutely can see what else is available. And, and, you know, I I can say to them, look, we'll take a photo of the pose that you want to do. Um, and we'll, and and maybe we'll do the one that I suggested and we'll compare them, you know. Yeah. So I won't outright say, no, you've seen that on the internet, but I'll let them do it because I want I want them to see themselves and then and then we'll make a decision from there. But but I guess um, from the outset, what you're saying, don't don't go, that's not your go-to. Don't go and copy something you've just seen on the internet. You need that, you need that third party, you need that expert that that knows. I mean, you would yeah. know you've got so many competitors. Um, that you've taught posing to and um yeah they can't just look at jake abel on youtube and go i'm gonna follow follow this guy <laughs> no don't do that from the outset 
And that's another thing, like, posing is super important, and I think it's important to also bring up that it's not everything either. Like, it is, like, I, I see, a lot, especially, like, especially some of the girls or some of the guys will get ruminated over a single pose, like you kind of said, that they wanted to do something different, and they overthink, mm. like, they want to do it this way because this is what the like someone's told them or yeah. some coach has told them this. Um, so like it's like almost important to not get too hung up, especially on the transitions and things. Like transitions are important. You need to make them look amazing, but it's not. Yeah. Don't do them if they're gonna fuck your normal pose up. Um, yeah. So that's just something like. It, in the end, it's there's a lot of areas of grey. Like Donna's going to transition a girl very different than I'm going to transition a girl. Yeah. But in the end, it's, again, like you said, there's so many different ways that you'll yeah. have something different. Like, And that's why, like, especially with my clients, for example, and even Jess, for example, she'll go see you. She'll, I'll, I'll pose with her. She'll go see Nat. Mm. She'll go see Vicky. And, like, you learn so much from each and every different person um, and then what you could do is take, I like this, I don't like this, and then build it onto your overall posing presence. Yeah, and I think that's good for when you're an experienced competitor. When when you're maybe a first-timer, yeah. I probably wouldn't suggest, you know, taking a bit of every palette because then it just kind of can confuse and, and right. make someone feel a little bit anxious because there's, you know, there's, even though there's some wrong ways to pose, there's several right ways to pose as well. But like you said, I mean, you and Jess are very, very experienced. So you can afford to do those things where you can go to different posing coaches and take what you like from each one and then kind of say, well, I want to implement that, uh, implement, you know, A, B or C into, into my routine. Maybe not so much for a newbie. I kind of feel like um, stick with the one person, stick with the one coach for now. Um, and then and then as you, you know, build on your competition experience and you do more shows, then absolutely if you feel like you um you know want to want to build and, and feel like you want to see someone else then then you know you have that that option yeah yeah 100 percent. and that's another thing like with the guys when you were saying that they're underprepared is like in the end it, it comes down to the overall like when the guys come up to me i'm like can you pose they're like yeah and i'm like oh how do you walk and they're like uh, <laughs> what <laughs> because in the end like something to put out is like you start your posing from the second you step like that toe onto the stage and then the time you finish yeah. when you get off. So you want to be prepared on how you walk on the back line, how you're going to walk to the front line, how you're going to trend, go to the back line, how you're going to get off stage, how you're going to get on stage. Yeah. Um, and that, that's something that, yeah, post coaches are going to definitely break down every single little second. Um, so you just go into that autopilot mode. Like you said, it. Um, you want to practice all the way to that, like, have it all locked in at four weeks so then when yeah. you're nervous and everything's kind of shaky at the, when you're just about to go on stage and you're thinking about everything else other you just go on autopilot and everything kind of clicks yeah look um like you said that you know the minute that you step on stage um is when you start posing and you have no idea when the judges are looking at you and when they're not. Mm. I mean, you have anywhere between, you know, say, I'm not sure, it's, I think it's between three and, say, seven judges or eight judges that are watching you that are um, not only critiquing you but providing feedback. And um, you don't just pose to one judge. You're posing to all of them. So you have to make sure that you are on, like if we're talking about, say, the, the male divisions, like the, the muscularity divisions, you have to make sure that every pose that you do is on and that you're um, you know, holding these poses and the way that you come out on stage, the way that you present yourself straight into that that front pose and then walking to the front. And then other than poses and transitions, there's obviously angling your poses as well, depending where you are in the lineup. Um, 
So just things like, like that, you, you, it's a whole, you know, people, I, I don't want anyone to ever think that it's just, okay, I just need to learn my quarter turns and um, my, uh, you know, muscularity poses and that's it. You have to present, remember, this is a performance. And if there are 10 strong competitors on stage you have to bring that extra sort of showmanship and you have to have that presence that someone is going to look at you people want to be um you want to command people's attention and that has to be through your movement through um you know your charisma it has to be through you know your facial expressions it's all of it it's so encompassing and that's why people underestimate how how important posing is and and if it's that one one kind of if you would ask me one thing it is start early and employ um you know the services of an experienced posing coach so start early yeah and i agree with that 100 percent. yeah i mean it's just yeah sorry go on no you're, you're you're right um yeah it's just it just is so um it's just so disappointing when someone comes, you know, like I said, six weeks out from a show or four weeks out from a show mm -hmm. and you kind of have to condense all the all the elements and um, pieces to do with posing in only a handful of lessons, in two or three lessons, you know. Um, so you don't want to tick this box of I've, I've done my training, I've done my um, uh, dieting uh, and, and now I'm going to work on my posing five weeks out from a show. It's just it kind of, um, you know, this is all about how you look and how you present yourself, yeah? Yeah, 100%. So for a first timer, yeah. uh, what's your best advice for someone that's super nervous, like they're already backstage and starting to get shakes and things like that? <laughs> um, how do you get someone to kind of still hold that nice stage presence while like obviously they're this is something they're doing for the first time it's out of their comfort zone what are your best tips on that um well you know the thing is is that when you are nervous um it's just presenting an energy that's that's in a kind of negative way and I need I, I kind of want people to think of it as an exciting way so transfer that energy from being nerves you've got to leave that you know, little Miss Shy and that that nervous person, that nervous energy you have to leave off stage in the back somewhere. When you're lining up to go on stage, you know, I want people to think that, um, tell them, you know, if, if anything, it's everyone has these little voices or these little voices of doubt and insecurity that they're not good enough. You, you need to kind of give yourself a voice that's louder, that's going to drown out those little voices that tell you that you're not good enough. It's almost like you have to tell yourself, give yourself an affirmation. So while you're waiting and you know, you're, you know, the time is near and you're anticipating you're going to be on stage next your divisions coming up, you know, even if you were to give yourself an affirmation and just visualize your best, best self on stage and tell yourself that I am worthy and I deserve to be here and I'm incredible for doing this and look at all of the challenges that I face like I'm absolutely going to own my best self on stage so it's about just drowning out those little voices that telling you oh my god I'm nervous I can't believe I'm doing this and turning it into positive and telling yourself I am doing this I'm incredible I have worked hard I deserve to be here um, I'm going to show my you know I'm going to give my friends and family and a, a performance and I'm going to show them this rocking physique that I've got so it's replacing all of that nervous and anxious and that stressed out sort of um you know those those feelings and those emotions and then replacing them with um all those things that i've just said and i guess um you know sometimes and you know like you know that we're, we're both there on stage as a sorry both there um uh i guess 
backstage and side stage with our competitors. And I feel like um, being there and being that kind of that support network for them also helps. And you would you would know this as well, Jake, that when we're side stage with our competitors and they're pumping up and they see our face, you almost see that oh, relief that they've just seen us. Like, oh, yeah. I know someone, you know. So I feel like, you know, um, if if you're there, that also helps as well. But those things that I've just said are the little things that they can tell themselves if they don't have that support network there, just to tell themselves, no, these little affirmations, tell yourself, um, I am absolutely incredible. I've worked so hard. This is months of dedication. I'm going to rock it. I'm going to show my best self. So that's how I want people to deal with those little niggles of doubt and those little, little nervous sort of feelings that they have. Yeah. And that's something I would say as well, like 17 shows, I remember my last show, mm-hmm. I was nervous as hell. This is something like, it doesn't go away. And almost yeah. like, I think you ne- I, I need to be nervous. And like doing so many. You have so to many- be because you're, you're, you're at an elite level now. You know, yeah. so if anything, um, you get more nervous. Because I feel like, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, you have this expectation. I'm a pro. I'm, you know, this, this at this kind of level, like I have to kind of step up my game, you know? Mm. And I think like. I've had shows that I haven't had many nerves or I thought that I'm just going to smash it up and I I don't do as well. So like I almost need a little steady amount of nerves to go on Mm -hmm. stage to be like, okay, I need to put my all in, go absolutely as hard as I can, bring in every, and like in my head, I'm like going to war. Um, So that little bit of nerves is almost good because then I'm going to turn that again, like you kind of said into something positive. And like I, I say, you almost use your nerves to your advantage to then use it as stage presence when you get on there um it's like don't expect them not to be there or some people freak out because they're like i'm nervous i shouldn't be nervous when i need to be smiley and happy everyone's going to be nervous and you almost got to take that all right use that as a strength everyone's shitting themselves especially if you're in a first time a lineup no Mm. one's ever done this before so they're all like uh, that's one of my favorite things to do is go back when they're all first timers because everyone's face is just and i was the same like i was shitting bricks in my first ever time and i've got like my first stage photos i'm like not smiling at all but um, so I was like sh- almost shaking. But anyway, it's like once I kind of go like when you are backstage, talk to every like all those competitors around you as well, because that helps break the nerves. And almost because it is like quite a long drawn out, especially for your first time event, it goes for like 15 minutes backstage and you're waiting and waiting. And if you it can really build up on you. So like if you know you suffer from any type of nerves or already a little bit squeamish about it, just talk to people like next to you. Just be like, hey, my, introduce yourself. Is this your first time? Because they're, they're, they're feeling exactly the same thing. And that's something like when I look at the first time of lineups, I'll just go and like smile at people and high fives and tri- like almost have like a little bit of a dance, like bring that happiness type of like vibes on almost like party vibes. So by the time you get on, you're like, let's fucking destroy this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, that's and look, and this, I'm going to say, and this is um, where exactly what you're doing, creating that really positive and fun atmosphere because you want it to be fun at the end of the day. Like we understand that it's a competition, but by and large, um, you need to be able to enjoy what you're doing and, and have fun with it. And it's great. You know, like not everyone will come up to you. I know there are some people that um, are quite kind of, you know, um, keeping to themselves and they're not really wanting to go out and, and speak to people. But, you know, I guess this is why I do group work, group um, posting workshops as well, where people can yeah. meet other competitors and, and have a chance to talk to them so that they kind of, when they see each other on comp day, they're like, oh, yeah, I 
saw you at that group posing workshop and, 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 you know, kind of start chatting then, but yeah, absolutely. And look, you know, I, I see it as well. Like if I've not talked to a first time, I see these girls and they'll just start talking to each other. It's just one of those things. I think people know they're in a first time lineup and they'll just kind of look at each other and smile and and they'll have a chat and then you kind of feel like especially at the ICN shows you know the music's happening it's kind of like there's this great atmosphere and um kind of gets you dancing but you know side stage and you know we do silly things side stage as well on camera as you know so um yeah it kind of just makes it a really nice atmosphere when you see everyone else enjoying themselves you can't help but not want to join in as well yeah so as you're kind of saying like you put a lot of expectation into the day. We see it like you get up there, do all you kind of thing. What would you give to advice to people that maybe don't get the results that they want? They don't get their placing. They don't set that goal um, and they did put their all into it. I feel I've said this to um, many of my competitors that, you know, there's nothing wrong with, you know, wanting to do well or wanting to win. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, but never expect to win as well. And, the real win is you completing that comp and you taking that six months or 12 months. Um, that's your middle. You know, whatever happens on the date is an absolute bonus. I don't want people to feel that if they haven't got a top five placing that they've somehow failed in any way. Absolutely not. You know, these people that have not ever, that prior to competing and, and preparing for for a show had may never have heard of a, what a comp was before and they've had their own lives and families and children and um, you know the challenges that that surround um, those in itself and then you add a, a comp prep into the mix and and you know wanting to set a little you know goal and achievement for yourself and just think about the challenges and the struggles that you face when you're doing that that comp prep in addition to all of life's um, you know, struggles, and then realize that, you know, if you um, didn't place in your competition, that's better than never finishing a comp prep. And that's better than not even starting a comp prep. So you have to just see that, that what you've done is a massive accomplishment. And it doesn't matter whether you've won or you've not placed the fact that you've taken those six months and you've done the work, you've done the dieting, you've missed out on social events, and you've had to juggle your life's priorities and your family's priorities and everything else in between and you made it to stage day, that's your medal. That's what you should be proud of. You will look back on this while you're kicking back at Shady Pines retirement home and go, I was shit hot. Did you remember back in the, the, the you know, the summer or the spring of 2020 or I'll say 2021 and I competed and I looked amazing and the amount of work that, I had to do for this show I looked you know crazy that's that should be your achievement you don't need a medal or a top five placing to represent that you actually won you won already yeah and the biggest thing and something we see like because when we both sit sit back and try and pick where it's going to go and things like that and this sport is majorly subjective so like we all often say like they'll, they'll call that first place and we both look at each other like what in the hell? We didn't even have them in our top five. So um, that's where, like, you can't get wrapped your head up on goals on something that's so subjective because in the end it's it's not, like, attainable. Like, I've always had that long, long distance saying, like, if you want to win your pro card, you almost have to have a little bit of luck and do it by accident because, <laughs> that's like... A, that's a good it, um, saying. Yeah, because it's – in the end it's – 
you have to be in the right lineup. You have to have the judges go with you on the right time of that day. And in the end, they could just be like, nah, he's too lean or he's too too sharp or I didn't like his pose there or something like that. So it's it's not something you can actually control. You just have to kind of throw throw your hat in the ring and hope, hope that you, what you've brought in is what the judges want to fit in their little box. Um, but every, as we both know, everyone's bodies are very different shapes, especially – um, yeah, everyone's got such different features and things like that. And then how, in the end, how are you comparing w- one side of a tricep versus another side of a tricep could be mm. completely different as well. So that's, yeah. that's the biggest thing is like, don't put too much pressure on that. You need to be placing in a top three or, because in the end, if you place fourth, well, that's still a pretty good achievement, but you wanted that top three and maybe you do have a better physique, but you're posing or tan or something else let you down. Um, so it's like, you don't want to be disheartened and you always want to take that feedback and then go one better and go one better and slowly work your, work your way up. But that's all you can do really is just control what you can control. You can't control the judge's decisions. You can't control what they're, they're, um, you know, who they want in their top five. You know, you're only as good as that, that lineup on the day. And you can try and tick every box and say, you know, this is the division and I've seen what passed. Um, and you can go hell for leather, but at the end of the day, you're, you should just be focused on um, what you present. Present your absolute best self. Um, own that stage. You know, work on your stage presence and do everything. It's not just the posing. It's everything in between. It's just like you said, the tanning as well and, um, you know, the conditioning that you're bringing. So you just have to worry about doing that. It is a subjective sport. It's not like running a race where there is a clear winner that has to be the first and fastest over the line. It's what a set of um, experienced people decide um, what they feel is an ideal representation for that physique based on that federation's guidelines and preferences. So you just have to be, have that, um, I guess, that thick skin and that and that resilience to know that's okay if, uh, if I didn't. And I, I have been in situations where I haven't placed in a lineup and you just have to say that's okay. Um, you know, I wasn't what they were looking for that day. Um, you know, they were looking for this type of physique and you just have to, um, it's really important to, um, you know, ask and, and look for judges' feedback and just work on what they've asked you to do. You know, so at the same time, you know, if you're doing a second or a third show, you're not competing in that same lineup. You're competing against a different Mm -hmm. lineup, a different set of competitors. So it's not like you're competing against the same lineup that you competed two years ago. And let's see how we've all improved. You're competing against a new set of, um, you know, a new set of people, a new set of um, group of people. So really don't get too hung up on if you're, you you have to be okay with the fact that you're on stage and you're getting judged um, by, uh, you know, experienced people and they know what they're looking for. And, you know, you know as well as me, Jake, that, you know, you have to impress straight away. Um, you know, it's they're, they're, they're so good at what they do that they, they will already know as soon as you get up on stage who they want to be. So right, like you said, the minute that your toes hit that stage, you're on. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So... One question I kind of hit to everyone at the end of the podcast and uh, kind of word it differently for everyone is if you had, say, three ingredients that you'd give into a bottle of a first-time competitor and that would just make him a star on stage and they would absolutely kill it. So what would those main three ingredients that you think um, would make up like that ultimate 
like stage presence oh i don't i, I couldn't give it to you in three ingredients <laughs> um um but i'll say that um practice is one yeah. thing okay absolutely have to practice um you can't develop confidence or stage presence without practicing um and when i say practice i mean practice with purpose you know don't just um, look at yourself as a whole. I actually want you to dissect your posing and look at it from the ground up. Practice your poses, practice your transitions, practice your walking, and then practice it collectively. Um, you know, repetition is the master of skill. So the more that you can keep rinsing and repeating, you can only get better at that skill. So one is absolutely practice. Okay. Two is. Um, I can't give you three, but I'm just thinking um, two <laughs> is commit the time to practicing, you know, and I don't mean, you know, I've had people say to me, I, I kind of just um, was watching videos and I've watched the the replay of our videos and um, I, I know what I'm doing inside my head. I've had people say that to me and it's like, you can practice in your head or watch it as many times, but you have to do the work. So commit the time, you know, practice every day. You know, don't be practicing once a week and cramming it into a two-hour session. You need to be committing the time. And I always say that it's frequency over duration. Do a little bit each day. Don't do cram it like, you know, you're studying for an exam and you're going to do a two-hour posing session in one day. The one thing I say with practice as well, while you're going on that, is um, practice without a mirror. That's probably one big thing that I uh, see too often come up. Yeah, and I'll say practice without a mirror, but only once you um, are comfortable yeah. in front of the mirror. And and in addition to practicing without a mirror, record the session. So we have our, our phone set up, um, you know, record the session because what what you should be doing is once you remove that mirror, because that's your that's your uh, your training wheels and that's your your you know your your, your friend, um, but your best friend is going to be your phone and recording it without a mirror because then you can play it back and say, okay, my shoulder is kind of dropping in one sense and I'm not kind of um, showing my lat in, um, you know, through the left part of my body and I'm not um, bringing around my glutes or I'm not tilting my hips or that sort of thing. So, yeah, I agree with you. Practice without a mirror but also record it on your phone. Um, and yeah. the other thing I'll say as well, I don't know if you agree, is I say um, practice with music. Um, so have some music going on in your head. And the reason why I say that is because um, a lot of people, once they hear the music, they actually start to pose with the music. And that's not what you should be doing. You should actually be posing to your own beat and not to the not to the music that that's playing because some people get caught up in the music and I've done that too. Like my favorite song will come on and it'll be like, yeah, oh, this is my jam. I'm gonna I'm gonna walk to this beat or I'm gonna start adding a little bit of a skip to my step. No, yeah, you pose. True, you see it all quite yeah. a lot, eh? Yeah, and people are just like, yeah, I'm just gonna add a little bit of a skip and I'm gonna you know exaggerate a movement. No, so a lot of people will practice without music and that's okay. But I want you to practice to to music, but but pose to your own beat. So you're not actually going with the beat sort of thing. You're going to, you're going to go to your own rhythm. So a lot of people don't realize that when they've, um, when they're on stage, you know, the song comes on and it's their jam and they want to, they want to up, they want to be a little bit more bouncy. And it's like, nope, don't do that. And I, I think the last one, like I can help, help you out. And the main thing is like, don't do anything on stage that you've never practiced in your life. 
because I see that way too often as well in a pose down or a situation like that. Oh. They're like, oh, yeah, that, that, that will look good because I just saw this guy next to me do it, so I'll try it. And it's just an absolute nightmare. Well, can I just say with that, um, and this is, you know, just a little kind of another piece of advice, I actually have choreographed some pose downs for guys because mm. of that very reason. So, for example, for the fitness divisions, as you know, um, there's no muscularity um, rounds. And so sometimes a fitness guy will just do their symmetry poses or they'll do their abdominal poses. So I've actually taught fitness guys and I'll, I'll teach them um, maybe say a front double bicep or, or we'll, we'll pick maybe two or three poses and I'll actually say these are the poses that you'll do in your pose down. So we won't spend a lot of time on it because it's not, you know, that's not being judged. But just so that they're not looking silly, like you say, I'll actually choreograph and say, hey, I'm going to give you these muscularity poses just so that you don't look like a, a deer in headlights on stage and you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important. I think for especially in men's fitness and um, one thing I'd yeah, definitely do is try that. That's where you get you more creative poses and anything you do want to show yourself or get good photos or something like that. Um, but you don't want to almost like my whole rule for men, the men's fitness is like, don't do men's physique poses too well because I've, I've, I've seen like judges as well so like you want to break up those different types of poses like that abdominal and bicep and things like that because um, then as well like i've seen some amazing guys go side chest and then the judges re-look and they're like wait a minute is he coming up in physique oh okay yeah. maybe we we need to like back him back him down or something like that as well um because yeah. everyone needs to fit that category so, yeah and I'll just say on that, your side chest, um, I'm not sure if you do this as well, but I, um, especially with a side chest and a, a side tricep, I will uh, ask my guys to, to learn both. Um, there's that, that small percentage that if they are struggling to pick, you know, if they're tossing up, you know, for first and second place, they may get the competitors to say, okay, we want you to turn to the left and we want you to execute a side chest. And that kind of separates the men from the boys, so to speak. Yeah. And this is happening more and more often. It actually happened at the Rookies um, last year. And it also happened at Bendigo um, last year. Plus, then at Worlds, when it was at the Expo, funnily enough, they threw the order completely out. And they did every single side, both left and right. Side chest and yeah. side chest. Um, yeah, so, you have to be prepared. So you don't want to be in a situation where you go, whoa, I wasn't taught this. I didn't know that this was happening. So um, I will ask my competitors, yes, we have a preference whether they want to do the side chest facing the right or the left, but you teach them that you teach them the non-preferred side as well so that when when that happens, they're, they're prepared. And, yeah, that's yeah definitely something that you, you don't want any surprises on stage at, at, at all. Um, no, so no, absolutely not, no. So where can people reach out um, if they want to do some posing with you or have questions or anything like that? Where's the best place to find you? Um, look, most people will um, find me on Instagram. So um, they can just type in uh, Donna Atkins and that's uh, my surname is A-T-K-I-N-S, uh, the posing coach. Um, and then feel free. Some people will also uh, touch base with me on Facebook or Messenger, and it's just my name, Donna Atkins. Um, but I should also say, if you if you're kind of a spectator and and you come to a show because you're watching a friend, um, 
don't be shy. Come and say hello to me. Um, as you can probably um, tell from this podcast, I can talk underwater. I can probably I can talk to the cows come home. So um, you'll see me backstage and side stage running around like a headless chook. So um, whether you're a competitor or a spectator and you're curious and, and you want to pick my brain, um, please come and chat to me. Come and chat to me, yeah. And hopefully we'll have some upcoming shows soon. Oh, fingers crossed. I feel like a fish out of water, Jake. Like it's just been <laughs> – don't you agree? Like we're so used to going, okay, I know what I'm doing in March, April, May, and I know what I'm doing in September and October. And it's like, here we are twiddling our thumbs, you know, feeling like we're, you know, out of sorts sort of thing. So I kind of, um, I absolutely do miss being there. I kind of, you know, miss that vibe and seeing everyone that I know. Yeah. It's really, it's really hard. Yeah. It's going to be an epic show when we do get back. And if we get nationals or something this year, it's going to be good. So other than that, We will catch you guys on the next podcast. Thank you so much, Jake.